This is Adam Barr. Welcome to the Organic Outreach Podcast. Together, we're learning how to influence our world and share our faith naturally. We do this by providing resources, leading cohorts, and equipping leaders through conferences and intensives. At Organic Outreach International, we believe every Christian plays a part in fulfilling the Great Commission, and this podcast can help you do that. Our guest today really doesn't need an introduction if you're connected to Organic Outreach. His book, Organic Outreach for Ordinary People, and the follow-up, Organic Outreach for Churches, really helped spawn the movement of churches and denominations that now stretches around the globe. Kevin Harney, along with his wife Sherry, has been reaching out and sharing his faith naturally since he was a new convert and over the last 30-plus years of church ministry. He shares his faith naturally, but there's something important to realize about him. Kevin also shares his faith intentionally. One of the things I've learned about Kevin over the years is that he accomplishes so much because he chooses to live his life on purpose. I want to get me some of that. Kevin actually devotes the time and the energy it takes to constantly evaluate and then devote his time to things that matter most. This is something I'd encourage you to read about more in Kevin's soon-to-be-released book called No is a Beautiful Word. It's coming out this February and is already available online for pre-order. For now, let's listen in on a conversation that Kevin and I had at a recent Organic Outreach event. So I'm sitting here in an office with uh, Kevin Harney, welcoming him to the Organic Outreach Podcast. Welcome, Kevin. Hey, welcome, Adam. Welcome to my office. Ah, it's good to be in your office. So, so Organic Outreach, you, uh, you're familiar with this, right? I've heard rumors of <laughs> Organic Outreach. It has been a passion of my heart uh, to naturally share the love of Jesus with people since the day I encountered him. Yeah, amen. Kevin, of course, is the uh, the founder and the leader of the Organic Outreach Movement. He uh, wrote the books uh, that gave this ministry life. And so, Kevin, it's a blessing. It's an honor to have you on. And um, we have a long history together, mm-hmm. um, known each other for a while. So I've been thinking about um, the angle that you would bring um, to this as someone who already gave it the books to us. Um, one of the things that I think a lot of people find out about you as they get to know you more is that you are a busy guy and you do a lot of different things. Um, and one of the things that I was considering when having you on is just h- how the rest of us can maybe learn a little bit about um, the importance of using our most precious, re- precious resource, which is is time um, in, in our lives. So, Kevin, um, We've, we've got you here. Why don't you give us, what's the back of the book version of how organic outreach moved from being a message to now an international ministry that's literally touching tens of thousands of churches? Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about it, but 40 years ago, the, the night I became a Christian, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ. I was at this uh, houseboat ministry in Sacramento, and I was uh, going to bed at night. They had us, uh, all the guys slept on top of the houseboat, the flat top of the houseboat, and looking up at the stars. I'm laying there, and I said, okay, God, I... I believe in you now. What do I do? And as clearly as if somebody were sitting next to me talking to me, I in the but deeply in my heart, I heard God say, I "Spend the rest of your life telling people about me, or you'll be miserable." <laughs> and I thought, "Wow, that's kind of harsh." No, <laughs> I you know it's like that. That was what I heard. But and it's funny. It wasn't harsh because as a, as a as a fifteen, almost sixteen year old kid, I didn't know much, but I knew I didn't want to be miserable. So I was like, "Okay, God." I'll spend the rest of my life telling people about Jesus. Kind of simple motivation is the best motivation. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? That's never gone away. And, mm-hmm. then, and then over time, I developed a personal life mission statement, and my life mission statement is to reach the lost and teach the found to reach the lost. That's it. That's, that sounds a lot like the, uh, the, the organizational 
mission statement for organic outreach. It is. It is is reaching people who don't know Jesus and helping others and multiplying. So out of there, it just became a just a natural, free-flowing 40-year process. Right. <laughs> and that process was living it in my own personal life. I, I really believe you can't lead what you don't live. And so trying to live out outreach, and, and that came very naturally for me. But then naturally helping other people to do the same and teaching the people around me how to share their faith, even those that didn't have a calling of an evangelist or didn't do it naturally, saying, you know, you're a Christian, and that means you share the good news that you've received. And then, and then with time, that became, when I became a pastor, uh, it became part of how I led the church. And, and I started imagining uh, what would happen if the, you know, the 300,000 churches in America yeah. all actually reached out naturally to their communities. And that's just, that's just on our, in our country, but all around the world. So that just began to roll into um, writing about it, thinking about it, talking about it, training people, churches calling me, can you come in and train? And, and then really about two and a half years ago, uh, we formed a organization, Organic Outreach International, which Adam and I, you're obviously part of, you're on our yep. team with this. Uh, and it's become formalized to the point where we have now created uh, just a wealth of resources online. Almost all of them are free, uh, including like a five-year curriculum in English and Spanish. We're developing it in three more languages. Uh, and we're really seeking to just help help people know that God loves them and then help churches know how to share that love in natural ways. There was a point where, uh, I mean, like you said, you, you this grew out of your work as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you were leading in the local church, and you kind of you there was, it was easy for you to look and say, "What if other local churches yep. just embrace this? What if other leaders did this?" And you had to think through that because, I mean, as as a pastor, I mean, I'm 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 a lead pastor myself. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like. It seems so easy to talk about outreach. You give a sermon about outreach. Maybe you do a training. You do a class. You do an outreach event, and it just seems to kind of fall off the radar again. Mm-hmm. Um, and you looked at that in your own setting, and then I know there was like there was like a two year window where you're like, I need to actually field test something. Yeah. yeah. And you developed when you did that. You developed some really kind of core basic principles. Can you talk about that period and how it impacted what you're doing now? Yeah, I did something really uh, unique and unplanned, but I felt like I needed to step away from being a lead pastor. And it was a, uh, I knew it was going to be two to three years. It ended up being almost three full years. Wow. Uh, where I was, uh, I was helping a few other churches doing some teaching for them, but my main thing was studying, researching, and beta testing a bunch of ideas that I thought would help churches at large. And it was funny, some of the things I thought this would be really helpful for churches, about half the churches said it doesn't connect for us. And so I kind of scrapped that, and I thought if it's biblical and if, if there's going to be a universal aspect to it, it would have to be contextualized. But, sure. but, but uh, you know, a, a small church in India or a you know mega church in the United States. Um, a, and you worked with different size, like different size churches, right? You, yeah. You, I, so you t- you tried it in a lot of different. I pulled together a little, little over a dozen church leaders from uh, from very large to small churches, different denominational backgrounds, non denominational. Uh, a church start that had I, th- I think they had sixty people, and over half the congregation was under nine years old. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> small church, and um, it was mostly you know loving and caring for kids, and so. We beta, beta tested in a lot of different settings, and over those years, found out a lot of things that were reproducible, and that, of course, anything has to be contextualized when it's brought into a new environment, but sure. that, that could be taken by a church, and, and so, so one of the concepts was just asking yourself and asking others, what's my passion for outreach right now? What's We use the term outreach temperature. From right, one to right. ten, how hot does your heart burn for outreach? That works in India and Sri Lanka. That works in New Zealand and Australia. That works. Any Christian can say, boy, my heart's kind of cold right now, or my heart's kind of medium, or it's really burning hot. And then how do we raise that temperature? And simple biblical ideas. So that when I teach these things, most people are like, 
yeah, that's really simple. I could have come up with that. And I'm like, yeah, that's because I'm not that smart. But, but, the, <laughs> but, but that's, I think that's, that's true of any like core leadership principle. Yeah. I mean, I think r- really great leaders don't come up with something that someone goes, I never, I never even considered that before. Typically, it's something people go, oh, yeah, that is so fundamental. Yeah. But And you said what intuitively I had some sense yeah. I needed that truth. Yeah. I just didn't say it as well as you just said it. Yeah, I, I think when pe- when somebody comes up with something that nobody else has thought of before, it's usually dumb. It's just, um, or wrong. Or heresy. And so, yeah, well, I, I heard, I heard, a, I, heard a, I, I, just, I heard this one preacher say, say, I've got a teaching that no one's, and this is really true, and then I saw this guy on a TV program, he said, i got a teaching that nobody's ever realized before. And I'm, I'm, I'm going, uh-oh. <laughs> and he says, Adam and Eve could fly. <laughs> that's what he said and and then and the person who's the the, the, ho- the host of the, of the program is kind of looking at him like what and they said no because it says that they, they they had dominion over the birds of the air and how could they have dominion if they couldn't fly higher than them so they could actually fly into space this is true okay and and i was kind of like i don't think that's right it's new it's innovative but it's a little off crazy yeah and so and so um and so yeah, a lot of the things that I've developed, and, I, and when I talk with pastors, leaders, elders, boards about this, they often will say, that makes sense. That's intuitive. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, and one of those, so the, 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 the uh, check, you know, kind of what's your outreach temperature? That's yeah. one of the big questions about yeah. of organic outreach. And another, you know, critical one is, is, the, is the 30-day rule, yeah. which you had three years while you were field testing this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for some, just give me the like, 15-second version of the 30-day yeah. rule. 30-day rule is if you don't reinfuse an outreach, learning, passion, direction, planning, every 30 days, it will die in your life and in your church. You have to reinfuse it every 30 days. So we've created all kinds of tools to help people do that. And do it very intentionally, sure. Yeah, Yeah, I've had the chance over the last year to be the outreach influence team leader in my setting. I'm the senior pastor, so I wear both those hats, which I know not everybody uh, necessarily wants to do. I I felt like it was critical. But you look great in a hat. I look good in hats. Two hats. Multiple hats, yeah. Yeah. So Kevin, um, you 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 had this kind of three year hiatus, two mm-hmm. two or three year hiatus where you were not in the uh, senior pastor chair, but you're doing that again. Mm-hmm. You are the senior pastor of a, of a large church yeah. in Monterey, California, Shoreline Community Church. You're also leading Organic Outreach International. Anybody who knows anything about being a senior pastor or leading an international ministry is right now asking, how do you wear both those hats, and how why is it important that you do? Mm. Well, Adam, the way I do this, I would say one of the primary pieces is with an amazing staff at Shoreline Community Church and an amazing staff at Organic Arch International. Sure. And so I do what only I can do and what I need to do and have incredibly gifted people who do the rest. So that's that, But that takes um, intentionality, planning, thinking through what it is that I should be doing, saying no to a lot of stuff yep. and yes to the most important things and trusting and releasing people to do uh, to do their ministry, and uh, actually sitting here with us in my office is uh, is Thomas, who's our uh, videographer and sound, you know, one of our leaders in the area of kind of creative arts. And uh, I probably come into Thomas's office and tell him what to do. Walk into his office and tell him what to do. Maybe once a year is that fair? If that, Maybe. and I'll send him ideas and thoughts. I got an idea. What about this? Um, periodically, and he's always like, "Oh, that's great. I'll I'll do it." But but I don't. Um, I have to trust each person to do what God's called and called and gifted them to do and they they do it beautifully. And so that's a big part of it, but I feel called to build these teams, to lead two ministries at the same time uh, in this season of my life uh, because I'm out there teaching and training leaders all over the all over the globe really 
And when I'm talking with pastors, pastors could be a little, uh, pastors are a funny bunch. They can be skeptical and cautious. And if I'm like, you know, years ago I was a pastor and let me, you know, let me share with you. It's, it's almost this little switch, at least for me, kind of click. We can be yeah. kind of a cautious, cynical yeah. bunch. And if I say, you know, this last Sunday I was preaching on this, this, this coming Sunday, I'm starting a series called the smallest books of the Bible. I'll be preaching on second John this Sunday, third John the next Sunday, the week, two weeks after that, I'll be preaching on Philemon. And then, you know, and they're like, Oh, you're one of us. You so understand for you, the, 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 the wearing the two hats, so much of what you do with organic outreach is touching local churches and yep. pastors, mm-hmm. and you you bring an authenticity to that work yeah. because of what you do here. I, I think that's a key At part Shoreline. of it. And even when I'm training denominational leaders, they're training local church pastors. Sure. And so it always comes back to the local church, and that's the mobilizing point of organic outreach. And so uh, I, and, and also I love being a pastor. I love preaching, teaching, leading, and and God has given me a kind of a, kind of a an odd and curious energy level. I used to get spanked a lot when I was a little kid in school, <laughs> um, and now I get paid for everything I used to get spanked spanked for doing. I mean, I, I I was sort of the, when I was a kid, I was hyper, and now I'm high energy. You know, I know when I was a kid, I was like a ringleader, and I'm a pastor. But, um, and so I mean. Seriously, all these things that, and I'm glad my parents didn't discourage my energy level because God now uses it. And so I don't feel overwhelmed. I take a Sabbath day every week, 24 hours, and I click off, shut out of all the church stuff. And I just spend time with Jesus and relax, do fun things, hang hang out with my wife, get my batteries recharged, and I'm ready to go for another six days. So it sounds critical to to what you're talking about is is that you view time as a, as a resource that you're given by God the steward right that's what i'm yeah, hearing absolutely and uh, i i can still remember one of the first things you ever did for me when i came on as an intern at Corinth Re- Reformed Church low many years ago mm-hmm. was take me to a store and buy me a day planner and you said you need to learn how to use one of these things and i'll tell you exactly <laughs> what i said to you i said adam anyone can own a planner yes not anyone can use one that is exactly and I said, right you're, i said you're going to have to learn to 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 use your time wisely because if you don't you'll squander it and so anybody walks into your office i I walk in i see this kind of foam core board that stretches wall to wall i'm sitting here with you right now in a section of your office and behind you i'm looking and there's people's faces on pictures it what becomes very clear is you have these reference points around you Mm -hmm. that in one way or another are related to how you steward time yeah so can you tell us what what are the core things that you have to keep in mind as you are intentional in your use of time? What What is it that's yeah. at the heart of that for you? Learn to say no with a smile, firmly, clearly, again and again and again, so you can say yes to the things that matter the most. Oof. So I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to let a cat out of the bag. Is it okay? For, can you talk? A, I I know that you have a book coming out about that. Can you? Can, let, you mind sharing a little bit about it? Let's let the cat out of the bag. Okay. So, so in February of of next year, two thousand nineteen. Uh, we'll, that will release a book called No is a Beautiful Word. And the <laughs> subtitle is Hope and Help for the uh, Hope and Help for the Overextended and Occasionally Exhausted. Woo, that and sounds like a lot of pastors. It sounds like almost every pastor I know. And even, and me, on some, even me on some days. And people and, and academics and athletes and uh, artists and people, people who push hard and have a full life have to learn to say no. And so you say no to the wrong things and oftentimes no to really good things. Yeah. So you can say so you can say yes to the best things. What are some of the things that people need to learn to say no to? <sighs> Gosh, to our own desires. That's mm. one of the toughest ones to say and one of the chapters it has the book has 68 chapters. <laughs> 68 chapters. Uh, so it's like what 10,000 10, uh, But they pages range or? they range okay. from one paragraph to three pages. Oh, okay. So it's fun to turn a page, get to a chapter, there's one paragraph, 20 seconds later you're like, yes, victory, I finished a chapter. It's kind of, it's kind of a feel-good book. But, um, 
but the uh, things to say no to. Yeah. So 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 um, say no to yourself. So one of the chapters is saying no to me. Mm. And it's one of the toughest things to do. Saying no to you, people we love and care about. Uh, when, I was, when I was filming some pieces for this book, it was a kind of a fun experience, some promotional pieces uh, for the publisher. And the guy filming and the guy, the producer, when they were done, they, you know, the cameras were off. And they said, the producer says, oh, I, I got a question. I got a question. He says, um, and he realized I'd thought a lot about how to say no. And he says, okay, so I think he said, like, I have three kids and I have, and we have like four cats. I think it was cats and or dog. Maybe it was four dogs. And he said, my wife wants another dog. <laughs> How do I tell her no? <laughs> and I said, put the camera back on. This will be fun. And she's like, okay. And so I, I just went through the table of contents of the book. And I, there's about 20 different ways to say no. Wow. And I picked three or four. And I said, well, you could say no this way. Or you could say no this way. Or you could say no this way. And he's like, oh, I can use that. And then, then the other guy says, I got one. I got one. He says, my pastor's always asking me to do stuff. And if I say no, I feel like I'm saying no to God. <laughs> how do I say no to my well, pastor? he is saying no to God. As a local church pastor, don't exactly. say no. I'm kidding. Well, he said, how do I say no to my pastor? I said, you don't say no to your pastor. No, I said, I said, and I gave him four different ways to say no to the to to your pastor, and so um, you know, saying no to myself, to other people, to opportunities, to situations, to temptations, yeah, all kinds of things. That's beautiful. Your life will be more defined by your no's than your yeses. It really will be, and that is absolutely. And I I would just, uh, as someone who's known you for a while, uh, I have heard this book percolating in your heart for Mm -hmm. a long time. Yeah, and even before I heard the book percolating in your heart, I can remember. Just as a young guy, you were saying things to me like, Adam, the choice is not going to be between here's like a good thing to do or here's a really bad thing to do. It's typically going to be between here are several things that could be good things, Yep. which is the one that God has for me right yep. now. Exactly. And so th- that just takes such an intentionality of viewing time. I mean, w- one of the things I, I've learned from you is that you got to view time as as anything else that you're called to steward, as any yep. other resource you're called to steward, and that you're going to give account yeah. to God yeah. for this just like you would for your, your money or anything else. Yeah, and I've, I've actually made numerous decisions to give up things I really enjoy because I realized they were consuming a, a measure of time that wasn't proportional to what that activity was gaining for the kingdom, gaining for the people in my family, gaining for myself. Yeah. So there's things I enjoy to doing and i just have to do it in a measured way yeah but i want to spend more time doing what matters the most and there's and also there are seasons of life you know there are Mm -hmm. times there are things that you give up for this season of my life and sometimes that sacrifice feels like it's it's ultimate but it might not be an ultimate sacrifice Mm -hmm. it might be a temporary sacrifice for a greater good Mm -hmm. so um it's to me it seems like as i'm listening to you talk there's this uh unbreakable link between doing small things consistently so you can do big things effectively yeah um in your own life, uh, what's that connection? Yeah, the first book I wrote was called Seismic Shifts, The Little Things That Make a Big Difference in Your Life. Yeah. And on the cover is actually dominoes, not like you play them laying them flat on a table, but standing up and somebody kind of pushing the first one and that click, 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 all those yeah. dominoes falling. And that small thing, that small motion of pushing the right in the right place in the right direction can set a chain reaction of massive transformation. And so I find that just small things every day, I, I wake up in the morning and, um, you know, I, there's, there's, there's first things I do that in terms of my spiritual journey, but with, before I start my day, I look at my plan for the day. I lay out what I'm going to accomplish that day. I try to get a sense of what each thing's going to take time wise. And I make sure those are the right things to do. 
And then those go, those are in front of me. And I actually, I actually print out a page with those things. I still, I, even though there's lots of great, I, I'm a, I'm a, I have lots of devices that I use. Sure. Um, and I highlight the things for the day and I check them off. There's something that happens in your, in your neurochemistry. Yes. When you check something off a list that you get a little, a little uh, chemical boost of, Serotonin. ooh, that feels yeah. good. So even if I finished a couple of things before I made my list, I'll write them down and check them off so I can go, yeah, yeah. I actually <laughs> yeah. learned that. I, I teach that to other people. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Kevin, last question. How does living intentionally, like you're talking about, how does that make it possible to stay on mission? Yeah, yeah. You know, my life has lots of aspects. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I'm, not, I'm a new grandpa. I'm a pastor of a church. I lead Organic Arts International in, in partnership with my wife. I have a writing ministry. And so there's a lot, a lot going on. And if I'm not intentional, if I don't think through what I'm doing, plan what I'm doing, and stay relatively close to the plan or flex as, as God leads and, and, and guides and, and directs, but I'm, I'm willing to flex and move with things as I feel led by the Lord, if I don't do that, uh, I will just squander hours and squander days and squander weeks. And, I, and I've done it. I've tried it. I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, and that's not true. I love it at the time. <laughs> it's fun <laughs> I mean, in the moment. There's something fun about doing nothing. Yeah. Uh, and when I go on vacation, I'll take days where I really relax. But, but I feel like God's given us one life right. and one opportunity to make an eternal impact. And, and so thinking, planning, intentionality, prayerfulness, wisdom, saying yes to the right things, no to the wrong things, being strategic and inviting people along on that journey, uh, to me, that's that is that makes every day worthwhile. Amen. You know, I hadn't planned on this, but uh, there are a lot of leaders who are listening to this podcast. A lot of people just trying to live their everyday lives on purpose, mm-hmm. do do the right things for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, would you mind just saying a prayer for for yeah. those people yeah. and for us? I'd be honored. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You left eternity and entered time. Uh, you came. Among us, as one of us, you, you moved in, not just into flesh, but into our world. And, and you uh, were so tuned into serving, caring. Jesus, oftentimes you would be moving from one place to another, busy serving, and somebody a need would arise, and you would hit the pause button. You would care about what mattered most. You'd say no to the, to the, the thing you were moving towards, at least for a moment, to care for the need that presented itself. I pray that you would make us more like you, that you would help us to understand that every day is a gift, every hour is stewarded to us, that we would make hours and times for fun and for play and for enjoyment, but we would also invest our lives in the things that matter the most. Help us say yes to the best of things and no to even good things that aren't the best and help us become more the people you want us to be so that when we cross the finish line of this life and and fall into your arms, we fall into your arms exhausted because we poured ourselves out for you and we will hear those words, well done, good and faithful Mm. servant. Jesus, thank you for the gift of life you've given to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. And amen. Kevin, thank you for making time for this today. You're welcome, and I'm glad I said yes to you. (laughs) Well, friends, hope that was a great start to your new year. As you think about your life and what it's going to look like in the days and the weeks and the months to come, this 2019, I pray you're going to find the power of intentional living. Be encouraged. Be inspired. Be willing to say no to the things that are less than God's best for you. For now, this is Adam Barr reminding you, make time to share God's life today.